Good morning to each of you. It's a blessing to be here. And I wonder what you're thinking this morning as we think about this subject. Let's begin in Psalm 37, verses 23 to 25. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Then going to Psalm uh, Psalm 71, a few verses there. Psalm 71, I'll start with verse 12. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and yet will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the number thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. As was mentioned, the title this morning, Growing Old Gracefully. And I'm not sure how to do that. I don't think any of us really do, because... We've never been where we are today. This is new for us. And as each year rolls around, in fact, each day, each moment, it's a new one. And we haven't been there before. And sure, it's it's possible to look back in life and learn things from the experiences of yesterday or last year or 10 years ago and apply those truths to life today. But still, we haven't been at this moment before. And here we are, growing old gracefully. I suppose this is the time when the preacher is supposed to make some kind of a joke. Because that's what you do when you talk about getting old. Like, you know you're old if you sit in the rocking chair and you can't get it to start. Those kinds of things. And I'm glad we can have some humor as we think about uh, aging. But honestly, getting older is not always fun. And if if you've got a little bit of age, you know what I'm talking about. And I don't have to describe to you what happens as we age. We could talk about our hearing or our eyesight or our strength or our painful joints and all these things. And, of course, I'm not the expert on this subject of getting older, and you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? Um, we, we always think of an older person as being somebody else that's older than I am. Most of us would rather not think of ourselves as being old. But it doesn't matter how old or young that we are. As time moves on, we are all getting older. And... There's nothing we can do about changing how time moves. We can all think of older people in our lives that we have noticed and maybe lived with. And some of those people we have admired and appreciated very much and want to be like them. And some of those older people, let's just say we we don't want to become like them. Now, I'm not talking about somebody necessarily that, you know, has Alzheimer's or something like that where they can't help the way they are. What I'm really focusing on this morning is the choices we're making today and how that affects us as we become older and can make less of those choices. We, we are paint, we're using, we're mixing the paints that we will have as when we get older and that's all we can use then to, to paint with, if that makes sense.
how do those people, the thinking of older people, how do they get the way they are? Either pleasant old people or grouchy old people. Well, it happens like many things. It happens one day at a time. I remember telling my daughter Sylvia here a while back that, you know, when I get old, I hope I'm just a happy, content, easy to care for old man. And she said, yeah, Dad, I hope so too. Because she's probably going to be one of the ones taking care of me. But one day at a time, that's how we get there. And whoever you're going to be as an older person, assuming you get there, you're making another step in that direction even today. And the choices that you make, the attitudes that you have, and so on. That is, of course, if our lives continue, we don't have that promise of tomorrow. And so either we leave this world as a younger person or we get old. That's the choices. Well, it's really not a choice. That's the options that we have. And they're not options, really. We, this is the, the, what we experience in life. Maybe that sounds depressing, but it need not be because God so freely pours out his blessings upon us every day. And the fact that we have whatever amount of years on this earth to live and enjoy God's blessings, just that fact uh, tells us about the love of God and his, his purpose for us and his interest in us. And the importance it is to live this part of our existence for him. And we all know that our time here on earth is just the beginning of our existence. Uh, eternity stretches on way beyond this life. This life is not all that there is. So that makes living this life even that much more important in how we live it. Eternity is not my subject this morning, but it certainly relates to the subject of growing older. Notice verse 14 that I read. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. As we age, as we experience life, there ought to, we ought to have hope and be praising God more and more because we see God at work. We see God, what God is doing. And we have, the more experiences we have with God in just living life and how He supplies our needs, we have more and more reason to praise Him, to be grateful. Notice the last part of verse 15. I know not the numbers thereof. Thinking about how many days that we will enjoy life. James 4 verse 14 says, Ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. So, several reasons for this message here this morning. <clears throat> One of which is that I am keenly aware that I am growing older. It's just the way it is, and so are you. And I would really love to be able to grow old gracefully in a way that honors God, in a way that blesses people, encourages younger ones who are coming along behind. Actually, verse 18 is one of my, I guess you call it life verses. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. It's been one of my passions to be able to do that somehow, to bless the next generation with what God has blessed me with. Another reason for this message here this morning is because January 14, just a couple weeks ago, uh, my dad was ordained 61 years ago in this, this building, even before I was born. We called him Papa. And he served as a minister for 55 years in one day, preaching over 3,000 sermons. And I say that not to lift up a man, but just in memory of him. This has been on my mind and kind of resulted 
in this message. Many of us here have been impacted by his ministry in one way or another. Even if it's a generation between his ministry and, and the young people here. And that brings me to another reason for this message. And that is that someone, whoever it may be, is coming behind you and I, walking in our footsteps, learning from how we live life. So here's something to think about. We're all familiar with family trees, right, and how that works. All those names, whoever that may be, in your family. And this, what I'm about to share, is not original with me, but think about the generations of people this way. In order for you to be born, you needed these people. Think about this. You needed two parents, obviously. You needed four grandparents. You needed eight great-grandparents. You needed 16 second great-grandparents. You needed 32 third great-grandparents. 64 fourth great-grandparents. 128 fifth great-grandparents. 256 sixth great-grandparents. 512 seventh great-grandparents, 1,024, eight great-grandparents, and 2,048, ninth great-grandparents, and I could go on. But that's 12 generations, including you. So in order for you to be born from the 12 previous generations, you needed a total of 4,094 ancestors. And probably at least 400 years of life to be lived until here you come on the scene. And thinking about all of those probably unknown people in your family tree as we think of history. And all those years of living, how many struggles, how many sadnesses, how many victories, what do those people go through? What did they learn? What were their struggles? What choices did they make? What did those people back there experience, whether good or bad? And probably at least a portion of those decisions and experiences affect you in one way or another. I grew up in Virginia because my grandfather moved from Kansas to Virginia. That impacted my life. And probably you have uh, things that have impacted you because of the decisions of the generations that, that were before you. So your family tree gets wider and wider the farther back you go. And going the other direction of the generations that follow us, your family tree will likely get wider and wider assuming you get married and you have children and families and so on. And if the Lord tarries, someday there could be hundreds or even thousands of people that call you their ancestor. That's a little weird to think about, especially for you young people, maybe. What kind of legacy will I leave behind for others is is my point here. Many people have contributed to my life, whether they're family or not, But what will I leave behind? Will it be worth inheriting? We think about leaving inheritance for our family. Uh, Will what I leave behind be worth inheriting? So, young people, don't tune me out this morning and think that this message is for the old people. Most people don't, young people don't think about growing old because that's that's way out there somewhere. Uh, That's for another day, and and, uh, that's understandable. Today's today and tomorrow's another day. Uh, a lot of young people haven't experienced the decline of physical strength and so on that comes with old age. And up to now, a young person is looking forward to getting older because that means the driver's license or the hunting license or the car or the job or the marriage or the something. They anticipate getting older because it means better things. Sometimes 
young people think about getting old with uh, disdain, as though getting older is somehow a mistake that you make or some kind of um, flaw. But it's not that way. We are getting older. Maybe they feel that way because there's been some older people that have not aged very well or very gracefully. I suppose we've all seen older people that are discontented and selfish and grouchy in life. They're, They're set in their ways. They're critical of others. And they're bitter toward many people. And how many of us have, have watched a person like that and, and thought, I don't want to be like that when I get their age. My emphasis this morning is that growing old gracefully doesn't just happen by accident. It's a deliberate choice of, or de- deliberate choices and attitudes that determine who we become as we age. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about someone who, who is, is losing their mind and they can't help that. I'm just talking about someone who's making choices and then that affects who they become as they age. Someone made this statement, and I think it's true. It says this, most people spend the first half of their lives making the second half miserable. I thought that was good. Most people spend the first half of their lives making the second half miserable. Bad habits, the selfishness, the poor choices, the broken relationships, the resulting bitterness, those are the seeds that were sown in youth, in the younger years, and they must be reaped when you're older. So what will my harvest be like? Well, the one point I'd really like to emphasize is that we will never grow old gracefully without the Lord's help. Now, when I am old and gray-headed, David prayed in verse 18, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. David's cry for help even as an older man, evidently, when he wrote this. Or at least he was thinking about aging. Now, it is true that we need to choose wisely and carefully and deliberately. And there there are principles that we need to pay attention to as we go through life. But the strength to grow gracefully comes from God. It's not something we invent. God is the key to us being able to age gracefully. Several examples, and maybe we'll turn to these scriptures, just several examples in scripture of people who aged gracefully. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, we're just going to look briefly at these, not going to spend a lot of time in these different examples, but just reminders of people who aged gracefully. Because... They followed God. They obeyed God. They uh, worshipped God, lived for God. And the first one I want to mention here is, is Moses, Deuteronomy 32, verse 48. And the Lord spake unto Moses the selfsame day, saying, Get thee up into this mountain, Abram, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho. And behold, the land of Canaan, which I will give unto the children of Israel for a possession, and die on the mount whether thou goest up, and be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people. How would you like that for an instruction? Go climb the mountain and die. Well, look around first, and then you die. So that's what God told Moses to do. And sometime read uh, chapter 33. We won't take time to read that here this morning. But read that sometime. Moses has encouragement for Israel. So think about what's on Moses' mind. I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to look around. And my life is done. But instead of being bitter 
or regretful or uh, focusing on his own doom, if you want to call it that. Uh, chapter 33 is full of, of uh, encouragement for the children of Israel. Moses speaks with an energy and enthusiasm. Moses is not cynical and pessimistic, nor is he full of self-interest or self-pity. Chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died, and his his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. That was Moses, an amazing man. Died with, with a positive attitude. Joshua is another man. It's in the very next book. Let's go to chapter 24. And this is the familiar portion of uh, the quote from, from uh, Joshua that we always appreciate. Last part of verse 15. This is at the end of his life. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. So there's another example of a man who who lived well and and died uh, with a testimony of, of serving, loving God. And he had a positive attitude. And he, he died with the, the challenge that, and his words speak to us even today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Caleb would be another example. We won't turn to scriptures that would show that. An older man with enthusiasm, with passion, with a desire to do what was right. In the New Testament, we can think about Paul and how he faced the end of his life gracefully and, and with a positive attitude. The book of, uh, let's see, Second Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, should give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul seemed to be at peace about how he had spent his life. We could talk a lot about Paul. Peter would be another example. Keep turning to the right. Just a couple of verses in Second Peter chapter 1. Verses 13 to 15. Yea, I... Think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. So Peter's talking about the end of his life. Moreover, I will endeavor that they may be able after that ye may be able after my departure to have these things always in remembrance. Growing old and facing the end of life with a faith and a trust in God. So those are just a few examples of people who grew old gracefully. They were not selfish. They were not grouchy. They were not cynical. They were not pessimistic or bitter. They did not have a list of grudges. They were bitterly nursing, even though there are probably many people who had wronged them through the years. No, they were positive. They were encouraging. (coughs) They were looking for ways to bless the next generation. And they were simply living out their days faithfully to what God had called them to in that part of their life. So the point here this morning is you and I can grow old gracefully with the help of God. I think that's the only way but it is possible with, with the help of God. You know, the world doesn't see beauty in wrinkles. 
And of course, we all know that wrinkles can lie in the face because of bad choices and guilt and greed and regret and bitterness and lack of hope. That's true. And I've seen some people like that, and you have too, and it's really sad to see. On the other hand, there's something really beautiful about wrinkles. When that life has been poured out living faithfully for the Lord. Several principles I like to emphasize here this morning on the subject of growing old gracefully. Because we're all getting there. Life is short. We know that. And we've all been impacted by those who've gone on before us. And we will impact the generations after us. So four different principles I like to think about. First of all, what we sow, we will reap. We know this. To be true. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. So what we sow, we will reap. We know this to be true. And yet there have been times in my life, and probably you've thought this too, that somehow that we're going to be immune from this principle. That somehow we can make these choices and yet we're not going to have consequences from them. But the principle of sowing and reaping applies to all of us. It's true that God forgives sin. The blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. But the principle of sowing and reaping applies to all of us. You know, you plant corn in your garden, you don't reap a harvest of pumpkins. It's not the way that works. If we take care of our our physical bodies, there's more of a likelihood of having a better, healthier life later. If, in contrast, we abuse our bodies will likely have more health problems that could have been avoided had we chosen wiser. This principle of sowing and reaping is applies not only to us physically, but it, it applies to us spiritually as well. One of Job's friends wisely said, Job 4 verse 8, Even as I have seen, they that plow, plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. So he's talking about sowing and reaping consequences for the choices that we make. When we sow to the flesh, there will be a harvest that is really unfortunate. And a lot of bitterness and discontent and anger and those kinds of things, guilt, are the result of choices made back there someplace. Uh, Sowing to the flesh. Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5 about the works of the flesh. And Paul said there that those that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul writes about sowing to the Spirit. And he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And what a contrast that is to Sowing to the flesh, because sowing and reaping go together. So, young people, have you ever had the thought something like this? You know, when I before I get old, let me say it that way. Before I get old, I want to do this and this and this and this, and I want to do it while I can. And that's not a bad thought. In, in fact, I, I think there's some wisdom there. Because most of us, later in life, we probably will start accumulating responsibilities and will not be able to do what we can when we're young and with less responsibilities. But young people, are you listening? My challenge is is to be careful what you sow because there will be a harvest for that. You cannot plant wild oats then hope for crop failure. You can't mess around with sin and expect to be free of guilt 
It doesn't work that way. You cannot expect to live a selfish and short, in a short-sighted way when you're young and then not have a bitter harvest as a result of that. Now, on the other hand, planting good seed will bring a good harvest. That's not real hard to understand. But it's hard to remember that every day I'm planting something that will grow and that will impact me. That's hard to remember in, in, the, in the moment. But think about those bitter, pathetic old people that we've criticized that, and said that we don't want to be like them. Probably one day they were just like me, wanting to do their own thing, doing what feels good today, not thinking about the future or the harvest that will come someday. That older person who has wasted their life was once a young person, carelessly throwing the seeds of wild oats. Is that who you want to become? Let's leave that as a challenge. Remember the principle of sowing and reaping. Another principle to remember is that man should not live by bread alone. Jesus said that. In fact, uh, Jesus was actually quoting Moses, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, where Moses told that to the children of Israel. Jesus quoted it in Matthew 4, verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I think that was the, uh, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Two words I especially notice in what Jesus said there. One of the words is bread. And I think Jesus and Moses was refer, referring not just to the baked dough that we think about bread being, but including just material and physical things of life. Uh, you could fill in the blank there. Money, property, things, stuff, bread. The things of physical things of life. So many people go after bread. But Jesus and Moses knew that our lives are about so much more than bread. The material things of life. The second word to notice in that quote there is live. Man should not live. By bread alone. And I think that word implies much more than just existing. It's living life to its fullest sense. Living life and making it all it can be. Abundant life. Man should not live by bread alone. There's no way you can live by pursuing just the things of this world. Oh, you might stay alive, but I'm talking about really living the abundant life. And if we don't learn this important principle that man should not live by bread alone, if we don't learn this important principle while we're young, we're more likely to waste a lot of time pursuing temporal things and deeply regret it when we face eternity at the end of our lives. Wouldn't it be disappointing to get to the end of life and realize that, you know, what I have pursued all my life is a waste. It's pointless. And we're going to have to leave it all behind. The fact is, we already know that those temporal things will be left behind. We know that. Yet, we're still tempted to pursue bread. And yet, Eternity is coming. Solomon, as wise as he was, came to realize that nothing really matters in life except what lasts for eternity. Well, I know how it is for us. We have these dreams of doing things in life. I remember my dad talking about he had dreams of uh, this farm and whitewashed fences and horses and and it never happened. Well, I remember a white was fenced, but it wasn't white for very many years. We have these things, and a lot of those things, dreams, are, are not bad things. In fact, I think God puts these desires in our hearts. 
gives us those interests and those abilities and sometimes the opportunities to do those things. But we must realize that temporal things are not going to last. And to spend our lives becoming the king of the mountain is to find that the end of our life, the mountain is much more like a molehill that the next big animal comes along and kicks it over and it's gone and forgotten. Life is not about material things. It's just not. Even though God has seen fit for people to handle material things every day of their lives. To go grow old gracefully, we must realize that what the real treasure is. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. When our heart treasures Jesus, our lives can be full of the richness of Christ. His peace can flood our lives in spite of the difficulties that we face. That's what makes the old wrinkled face beautiful, is the peace, knowing that I am right with God. Yeah, we need to earn a living. We need to provide for our needs and the needs of our families. We need to contribute toward bringing the gospel to those who don't know. That takes money. That takes material things. And maybe that is what God has gifted you to do and given you the opportunity to do. But let's remember that we need to look beyond this life. To grow gracefully, let's look beyond the temporal and focus on the eternal. (laughs) The third principle I'd like us to think about is consider what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, where it talks about gaining wisdom, finding wisdom, I think it's how it says. Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, Verse 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all things thou canst desire not to be compared unto her. Finding wisdom. And I suppose we could debate about what exactly kind of wisdom the writer is talking about here in Proverbs 3. But for the purposes of this message here this morning... Let's think about this wisdom as being what God can teach us about life. What we learn about life as we experience it. Wisdom is more than just intellect. It's more than our IQ. Wisdom is insight. It's understanding. Wisdom is knowing how to apply God's truth to daily life. Wisdom is knowing how to impact people, to help people get to where they need to be. You can spew facts at them, but wisdom will help them in that direction. Ephesians 5.15 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days of evil. (laughs) Wisdom is something we learn as we live. That's why the older person hopefully learns some things from the experiences of life that helps them navigate life. And the younger person may not have the luxury of having that experience, or at least not as much of it as the older person. I think as older people, we need to be a little bit careful about this point because we can become a little bit arrogant and we forget that sometimes younger people can see our, beyond our blind spots that we're oblivious to. And sometimes we, as older people, get set in our ways and younger people can help us with these things. So older people, let's not be have an arrogant attitude knowing that we think we, think we know it all. That's not any more right than a younger person thinking that. What is beautiful is when we can blend the wisdom and experience of the aged with the, the energy and the zeal and the passion of the young. I think that's what God intended. We can learn from each other and help each other. 
How do we get wisdom? Well, one way is simply to live life and learn from it. I suppose we've all learned things that way. Maybe you could call it learning the hard way. Living is something we all have to do. But when I make a lot of mistakes and the results are many scars in my life, I've wasted some years and effort and so on through trial and error. That if I would have just had some wisdom, I could have avoided that. And avoided repeating the same mistakes that others have made for countless times through the ages. So we can eventually gain some wisdom through trial and error, but we have to deal with the, the principle of sowing and reaping. So as we make terrible mistakes, we, we reap that, and life can be difficult. So we need more than just our own experience in learning about life and getting wisdom. And one of the main ways that we learn wisdom is through the Word of God. Psalm 119.105, we all know this verse, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God is the source of wisdom. Our logic can take us only so far. There's much more we can learn about living life well. We can learn from the word of God. Now, a younger person, or any of us really, but I think especially of young people who heed the, the, the wisdom of the word can avoid a lot of really dumb mistakes rather than learning those things through trial and error. We can learn by reading the Word. We can learn what happens when we choose like Samson or like King Saul or like Balaam. We can also learn from Joseph in Egypt or Daniel in Babylon or Peter the Apostle who failed and repented and God used him anyway. To grow gracefully, we need to be a student of the Word. Not only a student, but putting to practice what we learn. So the principle of learning and, and finding wisdom is so important. Final principle about growing or graceful I'd like to mention briefly this morning. I've already mentioned it. And that is a, the principle of simply watching and learning from people who have gone on before. And that's why I mentioned my dad this morning. And there are many people who have impacted my life. Most of them were older and more experienced than I was at the whatever moment you want to think of. I remember years ago in this auditorium, actually, there's a young man that, that came up front. I think it was Wednesday night, maybe, or maybe Sunday night. And he was to have the, the topic of the evening. And he got up and he opened his Bible. And he said, let's all turn to Milton Hostetler 316. And everyone was stunned and for a second until explaining himself. And what his point was is exactly what I'm saying here now. Is that there, for most of us, we are blessed to have older, more experienced people that have walked with the Lord many years we can learn from. What a blessing. I've impacted, been impacted by many people through the years. I happen to be one of the younger uh, of my, the generation of all my cousins. Most of my cousins were older than me. I think of only about four that are younger than me. And a whole bunch of them older than me. But those, my cousins impacted me. My brothers, all three of my brothers impacted me. John Stolzfus, right, in this congregation, impacted my life. My uncles, other friends. God put those people in, in my path in strategic places and helped me choose the right fork in the road. And I'm grateful for all of them. And the sobering thing is that someone is coming along behind you and I. doesn't matter who we are. Someone's coming along behind us and learning from us. May we 
learn from those godly people before us and may we encourage those who come after us. So we've thought about four different principles. And I know there's more, but just four of them this morning. The principle of sowing and reaping. The principle of not living a bread alone. Another way of saying that, I guess, is to know what the important things are in life. Thirdly, the principle of finding wisdom and applying it to life. And fourthly, the principle of learning from other faithful followers of Christ and then passing that on. And I'm sure there could be a lot more said and added to that simple list. But here, those are the ones I've chosen to think about this morning. So do you want to grow gracefully or do you want to be an old grouch? (laughs) That doesn't sound very nice, does it? And I know that life is a lot more complicated than these little simple principles I've mentioned here this morning. But unless we die young, all of us, one day we'll be old. We don't always choose what the journey, in fact, most of the time we don't choose what the journey is going to be like through life. But we can choose my attitude, what's important to me. We can choose how I learn and apply that wisdom to life. We can choose how to impact the generations that come after me. So just several um, challenges to think about as we close here. Let's be an example for others to follow. Actually, we don't have a choice whether we're going to be an example or not. We will be an example. But we can either be an example of what it looks like to follow Christ, or we can be an example of what it looks like to follow our flesh and our logic. Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Paul told that to Timothy. What a challenge for us. Let's be committed to the truth of God's word. Paul, again, Paul writing to Timothy. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And then the challenge to find, continue to find ways to serve, even as we age. Paul wrote to Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. An older person probably can't do what he used to do or she used to do as a young person. The roles may change, but the faithful servant will continue to plant good seed, even though they may never see much of the harvest. Continue to find ways to serve. And finally, let's choose to be diligent, trusting, and joyful in our older years. Paul, again, writing to Timothy, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear unto all. Take heed unto thyself and to thy doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save both save thyself and them that hear thee. Growing old gracefully doesn't happen by accident. It takes the power of God and deliberate choices and a willingness to surrender to the plan of God. So, how do you triumph over old age? Well, we may live a little longer if we care for these bodies well. It will probably help if we don't develop bad habits but have good habits instead. But we're really not talking about our physical bodies here this morning, are we? It it does impact us, but we're talking about much more than our physical bodies. We're talking about the character within. Someone has wisely said this, to keep the heart unwrinkled, hopeful, kind, loving, encouraging, humbly submissive to the will of God, that is what it is to triumph over old age unwrinkled heart and my point here this morning is to is that growing old is something we will all do unless we die young or Jesus returns but to grow gracefully takes the grace of God the abundant life is not found in chasing the promises of the world I'd like to close in Psalm 92. 
verses 12 to 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow up like a cedar of Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Fat and flourishing has the idea of being vigorous, of flourishing, being fertile, productive, fruit in old age. Isn't that amazing? So what did Jesus say is most important things in life? Well, he said many things, but he said, Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even an old person can be a new creature that Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. An old person that is new. Isn't that amazing? That's something that no beauty cream, no diet or exercise program, no photoshopped picture posted on Facebook or the latest clothing fad could ever do. New in Christ. A new creature. Well, I don't know what you want to be remembered for when you're gone. But I pray that as we live life each day, that we will live it in a, in a way that glorifies God and that Christ is illustrated through our lives and those who follow us will want to live just like you and I. Let's grow old gracefully because one day the faithful will move to a land where we never grow old. And I'm looking forward to that.